We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. You are listening to the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving uh, with Doc Griggs. I am Dr. Derry. And uh, this is what happens when you have uh, two uh, individuals that are perpetually late for life. I'm sure that Doc Griggs, <laughs> as myself, were probably born late. Um, I have uh, with me today uh, uh, Miss uh, Karen Marie, the salubrious RD. I want to say ID because I'm an infectious disease doctor. Oh, there you and, go. No, and yeah. I want to. I'm going to read this PSA, Miss Karen. I want to get you, your thoughts here on this because I think you'll appreciate this. So, nearly 40% of New Orleans children live in poverty. Many of them live on the brink of homelessness and face significant challenges in school. The New Orleans Women's and Children's Shelter have helped more than 2,000 homeless people from newborns to seniors transition from a life of homelessness uh, to one of poverty. I'm sorry, uh, from a life of homelessness and poverty to a one of stability. Approximately 81% of the families served by the uh, shelter transition independence. So this is where I thought you may appreciate it. So support the shelter during the National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week, which is happening right now. That is happening during um, the November 10th through the 18th. And uh, on November, uh, I think on the 15th today, they're going to be at Dat Dog on Magazine. So if you go to Dat Dog on Magazine today and order a meal, uh, proceeds uh, will go to the uh, New Orleans uh, Women's and Children's uh, Shelter. So you can support the shelter during the National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week and learn more about it at nowcs.org. That's nowcs.org. That's New Orleans Women's and Children's Shelter. Miss Karen. Marie, the salubrious RD. Yes. It's nice to see you again. Welcome to Thank the you. Get and Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show I, with Doc Griggs. I'd love to say something about that too. Please. You know, our work with the Ag Center, I go out and teach nutrition every day. And part of my work is working with uh, SNAP, mm-hmm. Limited Resource so Clients. So SNAP is so what? Is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It was formerly this food stamp program. And so... You know, those people need our help. Right. And uh, we want them to be healthy. Right. And we want them to have productive lives. Sure. And by helping them know about nutrition and learn about nutrition and hopefully make those behavior changes to go ahead and, and make some healthier choices then their life will be a, a lot more productive and sure, wonderful. Sure, so. The uh, I, uh, I went through the shelter uh, not too long ago as we were uh, discussing becoming their media sponsor. So we're going to be sponsoring the New Orleans uh, Women's and Children's uh, Shelter. We're their media uh, relationship for the year in which we're going to be uh, uh, reading uh, PSAs for them and, uh, and kind of keeping them and uh, our uh, listenership's uh, minds uh, for the next year. And and I'll tell you what, I was incredibly impressed with what I saw uh, at the shelter and how effective they are. And that's okay, I got it, that's fine. And how impressed I was uh, with respect to getting them, uh, uh, getting folks who are in really um, dire straits, they've reached a point in their life in which they uh, are needing uh, some extra resources and help in the form of a shelter. 
but they do a great job with kind of moving folks from the elements of a shelter uh, to uh, and transition to a life of independence, and it's really quite spectacular. So if you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show uh, with Dr. Griggs. I'm Dr. Derry. Dr. Griggs is still on his way in. We have uh, with us today Miss uh, Karen Marie, the Salubrious RD, a nutrition agent who works at the LSU Ag Center. And I know that the month of November is jam-packed full of it is things to do. Food, food. Of course, we are in a food town, uh, but we also like to talk about some of the food things that are going on, kind of you know nationwide, just just to do, just because it's fun. And one of the things is a sandwich. You know, the sandwich is just revolutionized, really eating. Sure. I mean, uh, we have some famous sandwiches in New Orleans, don't absolutely. we? Absolutely. I mean, I teach about Louisiana commodities and about Louisiana foods and traditions and, and history and all of that in my in my teaching. And the po' boy, we actually eat more French bread in New Orleans and Louisiana than they do in France. Really? So, I mean, you know. Seriously? We, yes. Because of the po' boy? Because well, of the so po' boy. Well, so how about you set, can you set this, can you set this straight? I have heard so many variations of the origin of the po' boy. Oh, You're okay. a historian, Miss Karen, well, so. I'm not a total historian, but I will tell you my version that I've heard. At least a food historian. What yes. do you teach your, what do you teach your students as a professor? This is what I teach, that the po' boy started out as the poor boy, P-O-O-R, because what happened is in the Depression when uh, there wasn't a lot of food, the people that did have food were people that had grocery stores or restaurants. And so they would take the leftover bread and they would go ahead and fry potatoes on it and put the fried potatoes on the bread and give it to the poor boys who were having to work. And that's how the word po' boy came about. And now we have a multitude of po' boys and <laughs> everything that you can imagine we put on a po' boy. So I also heard that it, it had something to do with Civil War soldiers coming back. And, and uh, or yeah. I guess the yeah. origin is more or less all the same. Yeah. It was used to feed, feed. Uh, hungry folks, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks that were either soldiers that were coming back uh, after serving uh, in the military uh, or the then military, of course, or folks that were suffering from the depression, lack of food from the depression. Exactly. Yes. Got it. And then, uh, and so what about, do you teach about the, uh, what's the Vietnamese sandwich? Is it the banh mi? You know, I'm not familiar with the Vietnamese sandwich, actually. Oh, there's a, the, yeah, the, so the Vietnamese, so after, of course, uh, when New Orleans, uh, uh, and, and we have joining us is Dr. Eric Griggs. And uh, Eric, do you know any, do you know anything about the banh mi or the Vietnamese? Banh mi sandwich? is like a Vietnamese po' boy. It's right. really, it's, really, really, really good. It has right. carrots. It has a number of other uh, vegetables on it. That it, I mean, it's a really, really good sandwich. Right. So the Vietnamese, uh, mm. after moving into uh, New Orleans, uh, and I'm not sure which came first. Although I'm fairly certain that they, there was no French bread in Vietnam. I may be <laughs> wrong on that because Vietnam is part of the Indo. Uh, was a French. Uh, was part of the. Uh, I think was a French colony, colony. at one yeah. point. So there may have mm -hmm. been French bread there. But there is a Vietnamese version of the po' boy, which is called the banh mi. Oh, 
Well, I'll have to try I, that I, then. I can't. I am. I am so proud of myself for teaching a uh, thank you <laughs> a nutritionist <Yes>. about. <laughs> yes, and you know what? I love learning because you know that's what it's about. It's not just about teaching; it's about learning Absolutely. from people. And when you're listening to people and and hearing their needs, then you can go ahead and take that information and transport it into to learning. So, so it's what, great. You started the conversation with uh, with sandwiches. What, are, is, oh, yeah. it, is it National Sandwich Month? Or? It is. It's National Sandwich Month. And so I just thought it'd be kind of fun to just talk about some of the sandwiches that we have here in New Orleans. And of course, you know, the po' boys right and there. And the po' boy. And so uh, the essential ingredients of a po' boy, as most people know, is of course the, uh, the French bread. Then the, how did the olive... Salad. salad. Get, get. The Italians came in. Well, they kind of have their own bread too because they have the little sesame seeds on top, basically. And then, of course, they also created the, um, you know, their own sandwich. So the, the so Falana. essentially the well, okay, yeah, all right. So all right, so I actually never thought about that. So yeah. the muffalata is Italian. Yeah, the po' boy is uh, Cajun Creole Louisiana. Something like that. And then did it just all get blended into one sandwich ultimately? I think people just, I think chefs and people just feel like they need to create. Right. And so they just start blending things. And that's really kind of how recipes come about, really. A lot of them are just by accident, right? Got it, got it, got it. So, I mean, I think that just people just start adding things and saying, okay, I'm going to put this on it or that on it. And then they're they're blending sandwiches and that kind of thing. So right. I mean, it, it. There's no rule, right? You know, right there, of there's course. no rules. Right, right, <laughs> it's right, just, right. It's a free. And I, I think that just goes to show how little I eat and experiment. Because I actually thought for a second the po' boy had an olive salad in until you just made me realize no, that it's yeah. the muffalata. That's the muffalata. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not a food person. So. No, no. <laughs> Eric, what... on the other hand, jump in this conversation and save me here because I'm drowning for <laughs> no, my. I'm, I'm, I'm drowning for my own self. I'm just, I'm just letting him keep. I thought a muffalata. I thought a po' boy had an What kind of po' boy? Yeah, really. I was wondering. That's okay. I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat. The views and opinions expressed in this conversation do not reflect those of Dr. Griggs and his knowledge of po' boys and New Orleans cuisine. I've lived in New Orleans for 15 years. I had crawfish and po' boys and... Muffalatas, for that matter, are not part of my diet. You I do, I do like, I do like the Brussels sprouts and the broccoli. And the there you go. And maybe we should create a po' boy that's a vegetarian po' boy. There you go. That See, might be if something there was, new. Then I would know that there's no Doctor Dairy's vegetarian po' boy. I think that I think you should. Oh. I think you should coin oh. it. I think that, you know, Karen, right. Karen, 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 Karen. It's that. Just stop. It's that moment so, when you're doing so, live media when so, you realize you've just so made Karen, a huge fool of I'm yourself. Gonna, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I've been doing radio a long time, right? You the, have the key to killing a bad situation <laughs> is silence. So let's take a moment of silence <laughs> for Doctor Derry. <laughs> <laughs> and and his, his 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 depth of of immersement in in immersion in New Orleans cuisine. Just a moment of silence. Just and and let me say in this. Well, moment that was a quick moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see that, this, yeah. Let me you, let me say in this moment of silence. While yeah, you right. guys are being silent, let you me started this. I was going to be quiet. <laughs> you want me to start? <laughs> let me say that uh, foods are not my specialty. Yeah. That's why we have Miss Karen on. Okay, so aside you put from sardines that, on your your uh, tofu <laughs> steak. <laughs> Uh, well, at least if, we're having fun. What about an egg in your cereal? Is that a New Orleans thing? That could Doc, be. Well, no, yeah. no, it could isn't not be. That, see, that's, isn't that see, like? Isn't that what? What is the 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 soup that? Karen, uh, don't say anything. That, just, the just, hangover soup, the that they put an egg in, and and it has of a, a Vietnamese origins. Yeah, yeah. What is it? The 
These guys are purposely. Uh, all right, well, I'll put a. I'm it's, happy. It's what is called it called? Yakamane. Yakamane, it's, right. it's, it's of Korean origin. Uh, <laughs> and Korean they call it Old origin. Sober. I think its origins are back to World War II. Um, <laughs> the reason they call it Old Sober is because it has it's high in sodium. Um, so it makes it has you a lot of things water. you mess up. Yeah, it makes you drink water. It has a lot of carbs, quick carbs for the replacement. Um, and then they, you know, it has meat, the protein, and they, there's all these theories about what it does for the hangover. The reason you're hungover is mostly because you're dehydrated. So it's got a lot of salt in it and quick so, carbs. Yeah, yeah. So wherever, like we'd like to say on, uh, on Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving, wherever there's salt, water always, always follows. Yeah. So yes. that's why if you eat a couple. But, uh, potato chips you're going to want to drink something right afterwards and yakamane has the egg in it and again i, I was saying so they, they put a boiled egg in it and uh it's actually really really good and you eat the egg of course um but uh yeah that's we'll just leave that <laughs> we'll leave him on a high note so there's there's the key rules when i when i when i speak publicly and i want to talk to students the rules of public engagement when you're public speaking uh, you, you always want to you want to engage your audience you want to excite them about your topic and you want to empower them and most importantly, you want to make an emotional tie, which means leaving them up. So we're going to leave this conversation because we're going to leave Doc up on a high note. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah, because he, he nailed it right there. And let's leave him there. That's good for him. That's good. good. That's good. I mean, his confidence is up before his next meal. Three cheers. <laughs> you wanted me to start talking. <laughs> I was fine just listening for a minute. I just, we got checked, get fit, get moving. Now we're going to move on to something else. Yes, there we go. please. <laughs> Because I just got checked, okay? <laughs> so to be no. clear and to summarize, there is no olives in the po'boy. So yes. the olive salad is not Stop in the... saying that. See, I tried. I tried. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's move on. So Happy birthday, else? Doc. Oh, no, it's not your birthday. I was trying what, something uh, to bring him back up. Right, not until so December. What, is, uh, what else are we doing this month? Oh, uh, we wanted to talk about spicy guacamole day because oh. guacamole's got oh. great oh. food. Yummo, the right. avocado is... is... olives in it? No, sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Too soon. Too Soon. But if you soon. mix olives in, no, no, uh, no, stop, stop, stop. We get the Dr. Dairy sandwich. No, no, no. But a lot of people put avocado on their sandwich, sandwiches, of course, in salads. I mean, right. really, They're, it's endless. And it's, in it's the eighties and the nineties, it kind of had a bad name. I, was about I mean, say, yeah, what happened? Like, what was the, the was the fat at the time that it had a high fat content? And people were trying to cut fats out of their diet, and now we're realizing that wasn't the case. Or? Yeah, they're re they're realizing now that's good fat instead of the bad. What's fat. good fat? Hold on, Dot. Wait, there's. Hey. I thought fat is fat. Now, is yeah. it good fat or bad fat that makes my? It's that time of year where everybody's getting fat. Now, what's what's the difference between good fat? <laughs> and Dude, don't bad look fat? at me. We got We got I'm just uh, asking. We have a professional nutritionist <laughs> right, right. here. So. Good fat and bad fat. Well, we want good fat to help Feels us. Feels good getting fat. Yeah, no, it no, yeah no. It, does, okay. it does that too. Right. But. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's some fats that uh, raise our blood cholesterol and and, and raise our uh, fats, blood fats in our in our body, and so we want to make sure that we're not, in, you know, hurting our heart. And so, in order to do that, we want to use foods or eat foods that are have good fat, and those are the avocado, and then also fish too. We talk about the fish with the omega three. So right. Yeah. Right. So what we used to think were fatty foods uh, were not necessarily where there's there's a new thought about that. Uh, right. And uh, because I have been reading a lot more about just a lot of the nutritional benefits that avocados uh, have had. And I found myself too stopping eating avocado because I kind of got caught up in that. It's sort of like the way they talk about eggs as well in that eggs yes. at one point were considered to be very unhealthy. Uh, and now that the, 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 the medical research. research is swinging that's in the right. other direction in which that's not necessarily the case anymore. Right. They're saying the dietary cholesterol is not raising our blood cholesterol. Far be it so. for me to start controversy, 
Oh, Ooh. kick up some dust. Oh, but Lord. the latest Here in the comes. latest last two weeks of uh, the literature, they've been coming out saying that you know it's uh, it's not necessarily fat that makes you fat; that sh- it's sugar. What, what what does that mean? Well, mm-hmm. I mean. Hmm. Miss uh, Karen Marie, the oh, I haven't heard idea. that. Uh, I mean, sure well, I'm assuming what that I means is that there's a high caloric intake, and that you sugar packs a very high caloric intake, and that uh, if you eat large amounts of sugar, which doesn't well, take here's much. Well, here's the issue, though. But there's nine calories per per gram of fat and four per carbs. Why? I wonder why is it? Why? Why do you think? Why is everyone confused? Why do they think it's sugar instead of fat? Because there's so much literature out there and everything's very contradicting. Right. <laughs> that's is it, is it that's what happens. It's, it's literature? That's the issue? Well, I think uh. that's part of it because right. that's where we're, I mean, all of the information that we want to so in the give average, to people. Average diet, walk with me down this road. In the average diet, the average person, the person that you walk with, do they eat more fat or do they eat more sugars? Oh, I'm going to say sugar. A, yeah. It's a, a toss-up, though. Sugar's the issue. I think, I, I would dare say that people eat Almost two to three times more sugar than they do fat. And by eat, we're also meaning consuming, consuming. Cold, cold drinks yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, oh, in, wow. in their in their diets. Yeah. If you think if you think about it, like I mean, so that would just that would. So if there's nine calories per gram of fat and just four of carbs, which would be your sugar. If I eat three times the amount of sugar that I do fat, then I'm at twelve for every one, which would mean that it's more accessible. It's it's with everything being confusing, like if you put it in just real terms, and this is what I reason I brought it up because there are a lot of people that were confused and they're asking me that, right? What's more accessible at the grocery store when you're checking out uh, the aisle? Do you have more fat uh, laden foods or do you have more sugar laden foods? You have candy bars, you have this, you have cold drinks, da da da. So you, we're eating that much sugar, which is why we're getting that much bigger and that's the logic and that's what the studies are showing uh, well it's not even studies they've been saying it for years uh fat yeah. doesn't make you get fat it's not making you necessarily fat cholesterol isn't making you fat it's the, we're we're just a sugar happy society sugar happy society but then the fat is also not good for your heart um, for no no too much fat but here's the thing when you talk about fat. fat saturated fats eating too much saturated fats is is horrible but the thing is if you eat too much sugar you get what Fat. <laughs> diabetes. Because diabetes. everything, if you overeat, you get fat. You get fat because the storage, <laughs> form, the storage form of energy and excess caloric intake in the body is fat. And that's what yes. can accumulate in your heart, can accumulate in your blood vessels. It's not that you just have to stay away from fats. If you want to go back to it, and again, I'm bringing it up. Remember when they said that everything fat was bad for us? They were like, low fat, no fat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is the, the, the flavor is in the fat. Fat, yes. So what do you do? If you take all the flavor out of the food, people aren't going to buy it. sugar. Right. Well, 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 well I was about want- to say, they're not going to buy it, right? Right. So what do you have to add in order to make it taste good? Well, I'm going to add sugar to add flavor. But I don't want everything sugary. So in order to get that savory flavor, let me counteract that with a little bit of salt. salt. Whoa. So do you mean that if I'm eating this low-fat food, it could have more sugar and more salt? Well, it, that's what the label's prove because they have to manufacture flavor and in manufacturing flavor they're also manufacturing risk for diabetes and hypertension and that's kind of what happened that's why we were telling you it's better to just if you have a little bit of fat in your food just eat a little bit of fat but yeah. just eat real careful. food eat real food eat real food and get away from all of the low and that's fat the, that's the big lesson here fat. And, yeah. and going back to the avocado, I, that's the important thing mm-hmm. about avocados because it is it is real food, food right mm-hmm. and avocados are so good oh so good alright my cat likes avocado. Really? 
Absolutely. Yes. Like when we have avocados out, she'll like when we walk, if like the half the, if we take half the avocado and, and slice it up and, and, uh, do you have any recommendations for how good avocado had, had to cut an avocado or any preparations or. I mean, you just, I always wash it first because you just never know what's on the outside. You just cut it around and then pull it apart, pull it apart. and then take the knife and. I know they have some gadgets now that you can pull the avocado. So you take the knife. Out. You were making a chopping it, into this to the large seed in the middle. Yeah. That wedges the knife in and that pulls pull the seed out. out. And then how do you how do you any recommendations? I I usually just slice it and then get a spoon and pull it and out. It I out. mean, right. there's right. If you're tuning in, you're listening to 102.3 WHIV LP FM in New Orleans. Uh, we are Radio All HIV with programming dedicated to human rights and social justice. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs. That's Doc Griggs. I'm Dr. Derry. We have with us today uh, Karen Marie, the Salubrious RD. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health Louisiana location, plus same-day primary care appointments are always available. Access has a new location in downtown New Orleans at the Pythian Building, where individuals can be seen for diagnosis and treatment for HIV, sexually transmitted infections, and PrEP. All Access Health Louisiana patients qualify for discounted medications through the Access Health Pharmacy. For a nearest location near for the location nearest to you, log on to accesshealthla.org. That's accesshealthla.org. All right, Miss Karen, what else we've got going on this week? Okay, month? I wanted to talk about take a hike day also oh, because that's what, we, that's what Griggs tells me all the time. That, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go get an olive po' boy. <laughs> an olive po' boy sounds delicious right now, actually. Avocados. A nice vegan olive po' boy. Bon no, bread. No. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the Dr. Dairy sandwich is an yeah. olive po' boy. Boy, you know with what? Bami bread. <laughs> Ban me from that trip. <laughs> I'm out. You're, you're funny today. What, I'm was, out. What, did you take a funny pill this morning? You're actually, making, you're actually making good jokes. He must have eaten his Wheaties. I think he just, uh, he's got some color on him because he's been sitting in the sun for the last couple days. Yeah, so. we were in San Diego. We were in San Diego. Oh, there you go. Diego, but let me tell you, it was not warm and sunny. It was, it was just really? sunny. <laughs> it was just, just sunny. Believe me. It was chilly, I feel, huh? I feel now like I did then all the time. The convention center was cold. The rooms were cold. Everything was cold. The food was uh, cold. But uh, it was good. It was good. We had a good time. Yeah. yeah. So getting back with taking the hike. So we just want to always remember to incorporate physical activity as well because just eating healthy is just not enough. Right. You We've mean, got to keep moving. Ooh, get moving. You mean to tell me that if I want to lose weight, I can't just walk it off? After Thanksgiving, I can't take a walk for 30 minutes and walk all that off and be ready? <laughs> you could walk it all off. Yes. And next by next Thanksgiving, you'd be ready for your next plate. Yeah. <laughs> the, if you want to lose weight, the fix is in, in the food. And I'm, I'm subtly throwing a lob uh, to talk a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving meals. The average number of calories consumed in one meal is anywhere between 1,200 to 2,000 calories in one a sitting. Meal. In one meal. Oh, How I much? Know. What is it? 1,200 to 2,000 calories in one so, Thanksgiving meal. That's you know, what I have to eat all day. Right. Do you know what? So, you know, like <laughs> yesterday, so we had uh, had breakfast at uh, at one of these little uh, breakfast places in San Diego when yep. we were there. Yep. Uh, Dr. Griggs and I were there for the public health conference there. Yep. And in the restaurant there, they had uh, calories next to each entry. So like I had an egg white an egg white omelet mm-hmm. that uh, with some home fries and uh, and I think some fruit or uh, or corn tortilla. And when I added up the calories, it came out to be a little less than five hundred. Yep. And I was like. 
why is this not like a regular thing? <laughs> like how like that is such a clever way and and I, and I think that's exactly what it is that the the restaurateurs probably don't want those numbers to be on there because you will add up those numbers and be conscientious. Right? Especially I mean, in New Orleans, they so, don't want so it. But, that's where but the, they are I mean, they it, are leaning towards that. But that's where the community amazing. medicine comes in. It was Remember amazing. It's, it's people, it's policy, and it's practice. Yes. It's practical things like that that need to be, come from the people. So it's a yes. it's a matter yeah. of policy. Karen, if you can really quickly go over how many meal how many calories should we have roughly for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Well, you know, breakfast is one hundred. I mean, well, anywhere from fifty to a hundred and fifty, just to get things moving. Get the and things moving, in the yeah. And, and you lo- need and you need to have a couple of different things. You need to have a little bit of protein. You need to have a little bit of carbohydrate, and you know you can throw some fat in there too. Yeah, throw and, some fat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other than on your waist. And lunch, but, how many calories for lunch? Listen to this, Doc. Lunch, okay. how many calories for lunch? About? I I'd say three to five hundred. Okay, and then for dinner, how much? Uh, anywhere from three to eight hundred. Okay, so depending depending upon you know how big a person like I'm you know I'm gonna eat like twelve hundred a, a day because right. I'm little. And if you have say, say three snacks throughout the day, how much you think uh, per snack? No more than a hundred calories. No more. So we're at about Doc. We're at about seventeen hundred. Yeah, eighteen hundred calories yeah. max in, in one, one meal. Day. Yeah, yeah. Thanks- and in one meal for Thanksgiving. Right. Yep. The average American eats that many calories for Thanksgiving, and then we go back. Right. You know what I tell people? Just because it's a holiday or just because it's a, a special meal doesn't allow you to overeat. You sure. don't have to sure. overeat. Sure. All you have to do is survey what's there. If it's something that you're not used to having, then you really definitely want it. Well, then go ahead and include that. But it doesn't doesn't allow you to overeat. That Do, that's not the are there, the reason. Are there any for study, holidays? <laughs> are there any studies that show that people who like the restaurants that that put the calories on the menu like that? Are there studies that show that people like that 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 translates to positive health decisions that are long lasting? I've not seen any, but I definitely think that that would be a correlation. I'm sure if there's policy, I'm sure yes. that there are. We should. We'll yeah, that's look a that good up. point. We, we You're should, right. If we there should is look that policy, up because so can you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. Usually, you have some some students with you. That sounds like that'd be a great. Student. I, oh, that they're would not, be a great thing here for today. the students. Yeah. We're not here. Well, we don't yeah, have just any. Remind us about that. We will know that by the next next meeting. Because that would be yes. And what would it? I mean, it would it would seem like that would be a large. Because if there is a positive correlation there or uh, a positive association, uh, what would it take for us to try to get something like that here? Or is there an incentive from the restaurant's perspective to not put that there so as to continually to to get people to order as much as they they can off the menu? So I think the answer is yes. And um, at the hotel that I stayed at. Uh, they prided themselves. Now, that's, this is what's sad. The, we're they talking about in San Diego, right? What's that? Yeah, in yeah. San Diego. They were priding themselves on giving large, ex, ex, excessively large portions of food. Um, and I watched the people leave at least anywhere from 60 to 85% of the food on their plate on their, on their plates before they left. The, the sad thing, and the thing that really hit close to home, is the, their large portions, look, it was just a normal plate from what I'm used to seeing here. Oh, that's scary. Huh? Really? Oh, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it, I mean, it was nuts. They give you so, an omelet and then you give you hash browns. They give you toast and like, oh, we're giving those down home grandma portions. I'm like, my grandma, they gave me more food than this. Y'all, y'all, y'all cheating us? You know, four ninety nine to add chicken to an omelet. 
Whoa, that's a two-piece spicy white with fries and a red cold drink. Uh, <laughs> just to add, in addition to this. But my point is that their portion sizes were, they're viewed as, they're seen as smaller. And if you look, uh, go from Robert Wood Johnson and you look at the healthy county rankings, I mean, San Diego is much higher than Louisiana, which isn't saying much, which is, that's why we have the work, hard work to do. Yes. Um, but it's a cultural thing. Um, but the, the, the restaurant's making a killing, charging $13, $14 for a breakfast plate and people are throwing away the food waste. Yeah, it's the sixty to eighty percent. Right. This is just on my own observations. Going downstairs, um, eating breakfast. six dollars for a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's in, it's insane. Yeah, it's good to know that all that food is being used uh, to uh, for secondary purposes, like feeding right. the they're, homeless. They're throwing it right and... in the trash. You know what I mean? Like, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, exactly. I mean, but there, there's so it's much. It's being taken to shelters after that. Right. So that's the, that's where the social justice and all of the stuff in public health, all the stuff that we do, all the stuff we talk about, sure, um, come in. Whereas they're on the positive side, in one aspect, there's this other side, this ugly underbelly that's not being addressed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's interesting, and like I said, it. it We're going to look at some of those studies just to see. It is quite interesting because even when I was a clinical dietitian at Children's Hospital, we revamped the menus. We put more vegetables on it. We said, no, you know, there's just all this just hamburgers and chicken nuggets and all this. Then we did a plate waste study and we found out that the kids were not eating it. And so the problem, too, is that at home we're not getting reinforcements for people for kids to try foods because it sometimes takes from seven to ten times to try something before you're going to like it that's what the study so we right the studies show that so we need to we need to reinforce not only in the schools not only at home not only here you know on the radio but everywhere we need to get people to eat more of a variety of foods and stop and that that starts more than at the, the holidays um yeah, it took me yeah. decades before I tried uh, the cranberry sauce in the can. That 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 can, that tube that stays there. Mm-hmm. I don't eat that. I didn't grow up eating that. Oh, I'm you not mean that like coagulated goop, of, goop of, like yeah. that that like like you like to say if it if it can sit on your shelf for fifteen years, it ain't it ain't, ain't real, real food. food. Don't and, eat it, right? And cranberries they produce their own uh, natural gelatin. So, so you, you can you can make them from scratch and, and just cook them a, with a little bit of water and just add a very small amount of citrus and sugar and it would be a wonderful cranberry crazy sauce. Crazy and interesting story about that though. I had only had once I started eating that congealed can of Why did you whatever, start eating it? It was a girl. Oh. <laughs> You guys should have seen. Yeah, was, there was a blank look, and then yeah. he's like, and then he came clean. <laughs> she made me try it with the dressing, and it was really good. To the point that when I finally, like years later, I went to someone's house, and they had actual real cranberry sauce, maybe the real cranberries. I'm like, this is disgusting. Oh, is, really? Yeah. I, I, totally. Your taste buds completely. I was, I was like, well, I'd never had cranberries before. I had a cranberry juice, which is processed. It's a bunch gro- of sugar. Growing I'd up had the in, uh, cran- like, no? Okay. No, no, Got it. Just like that yeah, wasn't, don't that even was start me on the pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie thing. Thanks, don't don't do that. Don't, we'll, All right, we'll leave that where that is. <laughs> I um, mean, you're, you're wearing a hat that says North Dakota on it, yeah, so it North Dakota. <laughs> 
accent has an ND on there. Notre Dame. Oh, it's Notre Dame. It actually says no doctor. No doctor. No, no, doctor. No, no. Dr. Griggs took his funny pills this morning. No, no, no. I think you did too, Dr. Terry. I thought it said, I thought it was North Dakota. I'm like, you're not from North Dakota. I guess in North Dakota, those cold plains up there, they don't have cranberries and stuff. See what happens when you eat olive po' boys? <laughs> you folks. get crazy. You get crazy. Folks, please pay attention carefully. <laughs> do not try this at home. <laughs> please don't try this at home. And if you do, understand that Doc Griggs and <laughs> does not condone any of that practice. Uh, all right. Karen, what else we got? I do want to. I do also want to bring up the um, World Diabetes Day because I know that's close oh, to your heart. Look at that, Doc Griggs, and it is Diabetic Eye Disease Month. For um, that Doc, reason as di- well. Diabetic, how does diabetes affect the eyes? So we were talking last week about how the excess sugar that exists in the bloodstream from diabetes, because the pancreas is not able to release the insulin to, uh, as Doc Griggs explained last week, the insulin acts like a key to the lock of the cell in uh, mm-hmm. which the sugar uh, feeds the cell its nutrients, the glucose. So what happens is that you have excess glucose uh, floating around in the bloodstream, and when it gets to the small vessels, like in the the eyeballs, uh, the uh, it can scar up those small blood vessels by uh, inducing acute uh, states of inflammation, microinflammation, or just the sugar itself lands on the blood vessel, causing damage right there to the mm. what's called the endothelium. Very good. Does that work, Doctor Griggs? Yeah, that actually. Did I did I make up for, did I make up for the uh, olive uh, yeah. in a po boy? No, I know I know medicine no, no, well. I don't no. know I don't know food. No, no. no, no. But the, right. the, the the thing that you need to be aware of. So uh, along with diabetes, you'll find in a lot of people a con, uh, concurrent diagnosis of glaucoma. Glaucoma is the number one cause of blindness in uh, in people over the age of 60. Uh, and what people will notice is a decrease in their peripheral vision, which means they can't, when they're looking straight, they can't see to their side. I have an uncle that uh, is diagnosed with glaucoma to the point that he, he sees basically through a pinhole. It's like the mm. TV, the old school TVs, when they would go off, they would go down to a Drill small mm-hmm. little point where you could see a white light. It's the same thing. If you couple that, the increased pressure in the eye damaging the nerve that causes, that allows you to see, with the damage to the blood vessels, you can go completely blind. Uh, in my family, my grandmother had diabetes and glaucoma, so it can be a low vision situation, a blindness situation that, uh, that can really be bad. Really bad. So you want to talk to your family. The get checked, the get checked, get fit, get moving starts with but before going to your doctor, talking to your family about what issues run in our family. We have blindness, we have diabetes, um, and some of the people without uh, diabetes go blind, and it's it's glaucoma, which can be managed just as with anything. And for people that are diabetic, uh, an annual visit to the optometrist or to the ophthalmologist or to a eye care specialist is recommended mm-hmm. because they can pick up on early uh, early uh, symptoms even before you would even feel them. But they'd be able to see if whether glaucoma was available, if you may have glaucoma or any sort of macular degeneration as well. Preferably starting with any of these diseases, preferably starting if you do have those conversations, starting 10, 10 if you can get 10 years before... Uh, the diagnosis of the family member. If your mom or dad were diagnosed with uh, glaucoma at age 60, then you want to start talking to your doctor, getting your eye pressures checked at age 50 at the least, earlier if possible. Some doctors won't do it as a screening. I tell people to say, I'll pay for it out of my pocket. 
Just the yeah. screening of the of a topometer. Well, they do the tonometer. You know, tonometer, the, 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 the right. optometrists. They should do that anyway. Right, they just basically, and I can't. It's very very difficult. What they do is they basically take a little pin and they and they, they push it up against your eyeball, and yep. it's that's a strong it's, it's protective weird. reflex yeah. to close yeah. that yeah. eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs. That's Doc Griggs. I'm Dr. Derry. With us today is Miss Karen Marie, the Salubrious RD. And, and we're talking about olives. <laughs> no, we're well, not. We're absolutely we, not. We, we <laughs> may, in, we're, in, in, a, mo- in a moment, I <laughs> in a moment, thanks for leaving it on a high note, buddy. Oh, uh, okay, here we go. I guess people from North Dakota, that's just the way they roll. <laughs> no doctor. No, no doctor. No doctor. Um, no doctor, no diabetes. Karen, back to diabetes month. <laughs> that's what? right. Diabetes. Yeah, no diabetes. Corny transmission. You uh, transition. You like that. So it's, it's National uh, Diabetes Awareness Month. It's also National Family Health History Month, and you were just mentioning oh, about how Dr. we needed to go. So he transitioned it right there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so because we we need to find out from our families what's going on as far as our health, so that, like you said, we can catch it early and get it diagnosed. Screening and, and that sort screening. of stuff. Here's another lob. So when is the best time to do that, Karen, to talk about family issues in health? When's the best time? When During you? Thanksgiving, oh, when you're with da-da. family. Da-da. What are you doing together? We're, We're trying to encourage sitting people together, to eat together. There we go. Eat yeah. together and be together. It's all there, and that's you can get it all done. You can enjoy a wonderful meal and then get the information. And then maybe while your whole family's there, they can also help with uh, the clean your fridge uh, oh, yeah, out day as well. <laughs> there we go. That's oh, today, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. today. So what is that about? Oh, yeah, on a roll. Oh, this is my favorite day because this is the way I cook. My husband says, uh, what are we going to have for dinner? And I'll say, let me look and see what we have left over in the fridge. <laughs> so I just start absolutely throwing it together. And when you think about it, really, we had said mentioned this earlier, that a lot of chefs really, what they cook is sometimes by accident. Think, things have been developed, wonderful foods have been developed because it's all been on, you know, just on yeah, accident. Or, just or, or, things or like in my fridge, which right now I noticed the freezer this morning has uh, coffee, uh, uh, coffee grinds uh, just oh. from opening and closing oh. Coffee, oh, coffee that we keep yeah. in the freezer. So there we're going to transition real quickly now and move over uh, to, and thank you, Miss Karen. We appreciate all the, uh, all the amazing, uh, you can keep it on. And that's all the fine. material to give him a hard time. Thank right. You. So all the material <laughs> to give me a hard time, but we have on air with us uh, right now, uh, Dave Rostin, who is uh, a DJ here on WHIV. Uh, he his show is on uh, Friday at five o'clock, which is the Nolan Matters Public Health Hour, and then DJ uh, Caesar Salad, which airs from six to seven, also on Fridays. Dave, can you hear us on air? Yeah, I can hear you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, uh, Dave. Can you? Uh, and I have uh, I have with us uh, obviously uh, Doc Griggs uh, with us, and both uh, you and uh, and I and Doctor Griggs were in San Diego, and maybe just kind of explain real quickly at least what you and I were doing in San Diego. Yeah, so um, we we went to San Diego to screen an educational film about HIV in New Orleans um, at APHA, the American Public Health Association conference. And in conjunction with that conference, they had a global health film festival where we were presenting our film with some other public health films. Um, and so a year ago, we put together this film that we shot in New Orleans with a New Orleans cast and crew, and it's, it's really intended 
primarily for providers to learn about HIV and morphed into something else um, that the general public can more understand about um, kind of new developments in HIV and the current state of things and also just about relationships and um, treatment and counseling and that sort of thing. And so we went there and presented it. And just to say that this this movie that 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 Dave and I uh, did along uh, side with a, a third person, Graham Patterson, who was the producer, uh, Dave was the director. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we were uh, wedged in a category that had uh, three films from the CDC and four films from the World Health Organization. So the competition. So there were three films by the CDC that screened, then Living Positive screened, and then after that, four films by the World Health Organization screened. And it was a very, um, it was just a very kind of awkward, at least for me, um, place to be uh, wedged in between. And and in that session, can you, you, you being a filmmaker, Dave, you are a, a documentarian, you uh, got a degree in public health uh, to make movies in public health. Can you just describe what the screening setting was like and how it was what I would consider to be somewhat disappointing? Yeah, so um, I think disappointing is a good word. We basically showed our film to a room of maybe uh, seven people in a very large room um did not seem uh i mean and this is a conference where there's thousands of people coming in from all over the country to discuss their research and new developments in public health and also some of these films and so we screened our film we were supposed to also talk about it afterwards there was supposed to be a moderator there to um to, to moderate, to facilitate um, to a discussion. This discussion and um, about about these films, and no one showed up. Also, the, hold on, wait, the, wait, wait, hold on. So, the, no, the moderator did not show up for the film festival. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> no, that's right. And uh, the the lights were half on, half off. People were tearing down the space while our film was showing. <laughs> um, it was a really awkward setting uh, to show this film that we worked really hard and traveled across the country. Uh, to screen and uh, was quite upsetting when after the screening of all the, this whole block of films was basically like, oh, all right, time to go. And we just looked around and said, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, the lights not being down, the dudes that were sitting right behind us that were tearing, tearing down the, uh, the room the space. Tape. Yeah, right? making were- tons of noise. Like it was in the fact that the moderator wasn't even there. And in fact, one of the guys from the WHO that was there actually jumped up on stage. The microphone was still hot. And he's like, "Uh, I just want to say thank you to the people uh, for letting me, you know, for showing this movie. And thank you to the guys that worked on this film. Uh, You know, David turned around to me and he's like, do you want to go up there and say something? I was like, nope. I just want (laughs) to let this I want to let this just kind of sit. Yeah. So, from- so that that uh, um, I think I know where this is heading, but that generated some uh, some thoughts between us. Um, it was basically we looked at each other and said, "We could do a better job than this. We could do our own. We could do our own public health film festival." Da da. <laughs> like this is this is BS. We can do a much better job and um, be much more professional about this than this is, and uh, highlight the work of local New Orleanians that are making work in 
in um, the public health film world. And that's kind of where we're in, you know, in public health media land, uh, you know, on WHIV and beyond. So, you know, I think it's just started started turning the wheels in our in our brains towards this uh, hopefully this this new exciting reality. So it's really true what they say that necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Right. And so what do we uh, so what did we come up with and and I and the reason why I wanted to talk about this here on the on get check get fit get moving with Doc Griggs uh, was because Dr. Griggs himself is a public health advocate and somebody who uses media very extensively when Dr. it comes Dr. Griggs was there. Yeah, and Dr. Yeah. Gr- Dr. Griggs, and to one be clear, Dr. Griggs was one of the seven. So just to be clear, it was me. It was me. It was David. It was uh, Graham that were in the room. So that of the seven, that's three. Doc Griggs was there. Doc Griggs had one of his classmates. That was Doctor. Doctor Williams. Doctor Williams. That's five. So we were. They had the WHO guy there. Then you had the girl with the buttons and the pins that wanted us to look after them. And then that was pretty much who showed up for the the this this film international film festival. So as yeah. as David said, we at that point decided it's time that we come up with our own film public health film festival here in New Orleans. And so maybe just kind of we have a couple more minutes left, Dave. Maybe just mm-hmm. give a quick thumbnail sketch of what we've got planned. Just in the short, God, less than forty eight hours since we've planned this uh, this uh, this idea. Yeah. So this idea is extremely fresh and I think it has a lot of momentum. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we talk about it on air, the more that this can continue to catch, catch some, catch some steam and some fire. And um, really we're trying to get something going right off the bat. Hopefully we can get something uh, like a first iteration of this um, around Mardi Gras season, get some local filmmakers to show their films, organize a full day of films and a panel of, uh, of filmmakers to come and speak about their films, hopefully doing different blocks, different themes, whether that's on gun violence in New Orleans or LGBT or an LGBTQ block um, or an HIV block. Really just um, there's a whole bunch of potential here to to make this happen and i think that if we can just get this together and get a lot of people that i mean new orleans has so many creatives here and so many people that are trying to do good for the city and beyond and if we can get all these people together in one room showcase their films and their work and really educate and inform people about different topics that are affecting you know all all types of people in new orleans then we can continue to grow and expand this this amazing thing that I feel really excited about. And it's like, why, you know, there's all these film festivals going on around the country. Um, why can't we do one here in New Orleans around public health, which is what we're all very passionate about. And Dave, can you just, we have just about two more minutes. If you could just sure. quickly explain uh, the importance of the use of the medium of film, especially when it comes to talking about something as important as public health. Yeah, so I, I mean, I have a filmmaking background, and the, you know, I think in this day and age, I realize how important video making is for storytelling and the accessibility for for telling and informing audiences about all sorts of things, and just the the mobility of some of these films to reach people across the world. Um, and I think just with with the internet, with you know, Facebook and emails and just the quick links and how we are 
people aren't even reading news articles anymore. They're listening to them or they're watching news articles. And I think that we just have to kind of realize that that's how people are getting information. And if we can make really good films, then we can inspire people to make change and have a social impact um, locally, domestically, internationally, like there's really no limit. And so I think, you know, video is extremely important nowadays and just, you know, people, people can hear our stories um, all over, but especially this film that we made called Living Positive in New Orleans and educating about HIV. I've shown this film to people close to me and they had no idea some about, about some of the medical advancements in HIV and just being able to, to use video in that way to educate people is much more impactful than reading a large research study or something like that. You have to, have something that can translate these new developments to, you know, the general audience. So we are looking at a, uh, a date uh, sometime in, in about mid-February. We think we have a theater uh, already uh, located. Uh, we're still working out those details. Uh, uh, David and I yesterday had a very uh, lively conversation as to the actual name of the film festival. I like <laughs> to call it the Public Health Film Festival of New Orleans, uh, which uh, I think uh, ceremoniously has the lovely acronym of FNO. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> uh, it's like an acronym for an acronym right right it's an acronym's acronym <laughs> um and uh eric anything to say about public health oriented stuff uh and movies and films what, what is your idea i know yesterday when i texted you this you were uh you sent me sent me some very positive text back in, yeah, I mean, in it's the it's the medium if you look at the value of uh and i hate to say that but if you look at the value of, we place on society of entertainment in media, that's where you find your highest salaries, which that's where you find your largest reach. So taking the non-traditional approach for messaging, um, entertaining uh, messaging is a great way to meet people where they are. I mean, we've we've all been influenced by it. We're all constantly influenced by it, which is why uh, the commercials and video media um, is so lucrative uh, in the, the realm of marketing. So this is something that we can actually take and uh, and influence a lot of people, teach a lot of people. So it's a, it's a, it's a large wand. Yeah, and, and also, uh, Dave, just also say, and we can talk more off air about this, but last night as I was telling Leon about this, I, I was showing her commercials from the 70s that did not date very well, but are funny of public health messaging that was, and so uh, we should have a uh, old-timey commercial section as well, but that's something that we can talk about yeah, later. But I the fact it. that in, 19, in 2018, I could still remember commercials from 1972 that were so impactful, and, and one or two Google searches and clicks, I was able to find these commercials so that the, to me that just showed the importance of the of that medium because commercials that I watched when I was a little boy on TV in the 70s uh, talking about those little TVs that you were talking about earlier that the when it goes down uh, was was so impactful on me that I still remember them to this day we got to start wrapping up here Dave thank you so much we'll be I'll certainly be in touch thanks for calling in I know you're busy at work today so we'll let you go uh, and we'll be did you have something else to say or no, no, that just thanks so much for having me. It's really nice to call in. And um, uh, I guess if anybody wants to be a part of this film festival, just reach out to WHIV and, you know, we will uh, continue to make this thing happen. Right. If you are. Thanks, David. I'll, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, if you are interested. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. Yep. Bye. 
if you are interested, it's info at whivfm.org. That's info at whivfm.org. We'll be having more information about this uh, international, this Public Health International Film Festival of New Orleans, or the Public Health Film Festival of New Orleans, uh, as we go on. Miss Karen, thank you so much. I appreciate us letting us giving thank us a few you. minutes of your time. I enjoyed it, it. Where we can we get more information about you? Um, I'm at the Ag Center, which is uh, in Jefferson Parish, at the Yenny Building. And you can call us at 504-736-6519. And then also uh, the more information at the LSU, LSU Ag Center. Center.com. And that's Ag yes. Center's A-G. G- AgCenter.com. That's yes. right. And then, Dr. Griggs, one last message before we uh, we sign off. Yeah, we want to talk about preventing HIV. Uh, preventing HIV is easy. Get prep. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health Louisiana location. Plus, same-day primary care appointments are, are always available. Access is a new location downtown at the Pythian Building where individuals can be seen for diagnosis and treatment of HIV, HIV STIs, and PrEP. Plus, all public uh, Access Health uh, patients qualify for discounted meds, uh, medications through our pharmacy. For the location nearest you, log on to accesshealthla.org. That's accesshealthla.org. Your prescription for the week is enjoy your Thanksgiving. Don't overeat. Drink some water. Take a break. Eat off a smaller plate and get checked, get fit, get moving. Oh, yeah. We're not going to be here next week, huh? Nope, we won't. Get checked, get fit, get moving with Doc Griggs. That's Doc Griggs. I'm Dr. Derry. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in. This is 102.3 WHIV. Thank you, Ms. Karen. They don't then all those votes, the majority of which might go to Andrew Gillum, for one,